Welcome back to the Payoff Podcast, where we are close and comfortable today. <laughs> I'm Will Foley with Matt Press and Matt Seabree. Do you want to introduce yourselves again? Yeah, so Matt Press here, sophomore at Indiana University. I'm not giving you any uh, full, uh, you can't track me, but I'm Matt Seabree. And those two mats are about two feet within yeah, each other. Yeah, we're, we're sharing, sharing a microphone here. today uh, yep. due to technical difficulties. Technical difficulties, but no difficulties with the Indiana Hoosiers women's basketball team. How about that? Uh, what are we at now? Looking at a eight-game win streak, I believe, for the yep. Indiana Hoosiers. 20-1 and one on the season overall. 20-1 and one on the season. And since we last talked, they've picked up four top 25 wins. Another win against Rutgers. Kind of an outlier there. but And uh, they've been dominating. Start with Michigan? Uh, start with Maryland. Maryland. Right. So, yeah, hosted then number nine Maryland, just one of the three top ten wins of the year. And that was also, you know, one of the biggest tests they've had this season. And they were, let's see, 13-4, and 4-2 four, four in the Big Ten. And Diamond Miller was kind of the X factor for Maryland this season and kind of presented an interesting challenge with her length, scoring ability, and Abby Myers, we talked about transfer from Princeton. She was kind of expected to be the firepower from a scoring perspective. But, I mean, you look at 19 points from Diamond Miller, it didn't really feel like she had 19. It wasn't that efficient. And I think Indiana did a really good job with her. And then Indiana, from a scoring perspective, had four in double digits. Parrish led the way with 18. Kind of a pedestrian day for Holmes, if you can say that. Just fit, Just only 15 points for her. And Indiana takes down the Terrapins, 68-61. Yeah, so um, after after that game, which also had, that was the Corgi race at halftime game. How could I forget? Obviously the most important part of that. Um, there was an upset, by the way. Yeah. Oh, huge upset in that. Uh, you'll have to read uh, Matt Press's article on that, to column on that, to find out. IDSnews.com. Home <laughs> for you. Um, but up next, they headed to, or pardon me, they stayed home, uh, hosted on January 15th. Wisconsin took care of them. Easy business. Won that game by um, over 30 points. Uh, never really was in much doubt. Uh, that was the first game this season to eclipse 10,000 fans in attendance. Uh, first of three now, or two now. Two. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess uh, that one, I mean, don't have to talk too much about it. Mackenzie Holmes did Mackenzie Holmes things, scored 29 points. Garzone put in 19. Berger and Parrish also scored in double figures. That's just, I mean, it's, it's kind of what we've come to expect for Indiana against a, uh, an opponent that they should beat at this point. Yep. And then uh, after that, on the road, uh, second game of the season against Illinois, Previously beat them in Bloomington 65-61. That was, of course, without Grace Berger. They travel to Champaign. Uh, and Illinois was ranked for the first time in, what, 20, 21 years Something when they like had that, been ranked. Yeah. And Indiana wins 83-72. They did not let Cook cook like she did. First game she had in the 30s. I think she had 31 and 33 and then on whatever date this was, January 18th, uh, Cook goes 5 of 18 from the field. And then Mackenzie Holmes, 30 bomb, 
30 and 10 on 12 of 20 shooting. Uh, Berger has 18, which was her best game up to that point uh, since returning. And then, yeah, Hoosiers were efficient, hit their free throws, and they just pulled away with a good road one. And then another ranked game, they traveled to Ann Arbor, to then number 14, Michigan, on a Monday night. Great watch from the IDS newsroom. <laughs> One thing I might remember, Caitlin Clark, triple-double. We heard that many times throughout the broadcast, but not the biggest story of the night because Indiana took down Michigan 92-83, 25 points from Mackenzie Holmes, five other players in double digits. Biggest part of that game, I think, was 19 from Sarah Scalia, who's, we know, kind of had an up-and-down season maybe more downs than ups, but 19 was was big there. Three of five from deep. Big, big win against one of the best defenses in the Big Ten. Yeah, then uh, after that, obviously, IU hosted number then number two Ohio State, who was coming off a loss to, had come into the week, an undefeated 19-0, but then traveled to Bloomington 19-1 after losing to Iowa in Columbus. And that game, was that was the second one uh, <clears throat> this season to have over 10,000 fans, the second most attended game all time in IU women's basketball history, but behind the NIT championship, of course. And, uh, yeah, IU, I mean, this was the environment, for one. Uh, I feel like I got to start by talking about that. I mean, it was 10,000 fans, and they were all loud. They all made sure that they were heard, and they helped Indiana set the tone there. Uh, IU obviously went into the halftime breakdown by four points, but that third quarter, I mean, that third quarter was some of the best basketball I've ever seen a team play. The IU just simply dominated Ohio State. Uh, seemed like they got every loose ball. They were in all the passing lanes. Um, obviously won the quarter 27-6. to six. Uh, Just, I mean, they, they looked unstoppable for 10 whole minutes of play. And uh, Garzone, obviously, those back-to-back threes kind of just took the roof off the building. And after that, Ohio State kind of had a run there in the fourth quarter, but it was never really in question. IU had it wrapped up. Um, Mackenzie Holmes, again, it's, it, we, we're all going to sound like a broken record. 26 points. Uh, Garzone added 20 points and 10 rebounds. Parrish, 12 points, 11 rebounds, and, of course, Grace Berger in double figures as well. Just another great win for IU over the then number two team in the country and Ohio State now number 10, but still, that's a top 10 win. Yeah, uh, Garzone's first ever double-double, which was surprising because she's been on triple-double watch before, but never really clinched one. Uh, yeah, that third quarter, which I wrote about, idsnews.com, if you want to read about <laughs> it. <laughs> that third quarter... It's one of the most dominant stretches of any basketball game I can really recall, especially collegiate, because if you think about it, uh, a lot of runs like that aren't as memorable in the men's side because they don't play quarters, they play halves. So when you think about a 27-6 to quarter, and it was a 17-0 run at one point, I they just had the game under control, and that was even with some classic Big Ten officiating on both sides, granted, but... Yeah, and then uh, the Hoosiers. Men should play quarters, by the way. Just real quick, men should play quarters. That's all. Absolutely. Fair take. <laughs> and then Hoosiers followed that up. Rutgers on January 29th, which for us is yesterday. It's January 30th, 
2023. Just want to let you know. Uh, Rutgers gave a little push, three and seven at the Big Ten, entering the game. Uh, they've got a stud freshman, Kayleen Smichael. She went for 25 points. But uh, story of yesterday's game was Grace Berger, 21 points, seven assists, nine of 11 shooting. Her third best shooting game ever, which includes a game where she went one of one from the field. Uh, her her other best shooting percentage game was when she put up seven shots a couple years ago. So nine of 11 from the field. Uh, Holmes, 21, of course, and six rebounds. Sydney Parrish, 17 and six. And Yarden goes on, 14 and four. She was four of six from the three-point line. And because of this last week, Hoosers jump up to number four in the AP rankings, and they're one vote behind third place LSU. Mackenzie Holmes, co-Big Ten Player of the Week with Caitlin Clark, and Yarden Garzon, Freshman of the Week, her third time this season. Important to add in that Rutgers game, Grace Berger, three of three from deep. Grace Berger. Very true. Three. From the three-point line. And if you Don't want to read about Grace Burgers, gave against <laughs> Rutgers, WillFoleyIDSNews.com. <laughs> but yeah, that was, I mean, that's only the second time in her career she's made three threes in a game. And the, and the first time was the season oper, opener in 2019. So, I mean, obviously Grace Burger is not a three-point threat. She's a mid-range killer, as we all know. But to see her hit those three triples is, is kind of insane. And if she does that with any consistency... That's a huge boost to Indiana's team. Yeah, season opener 2019 begs the question, who's hitting the retirement home first? <laughs> Matt Seaver or Grace Berger? <laughs> it's a debate for the ages. But, yeah, really successful week for our past couple weeks since we last talked, but successful week this past week for the Hoosiers. And looking ahead, uh, compared to what they just faced, this next week is a bit of a cakewalk, some would say couple road tests uh, at Minnesota on Wednesday, February 1st, at Purdue, February 5th. Yeah, so starting off Minnesota Wednesday night there, Golden Gophers 2-8 and eight in the conference. Nothing that seems too crazy. But one thing that I wanted to kind of talk about going into that game is I feel like, I don't know if you guys think the same thing, but a little bit of increase in confidence from Indiana, especially after the uh, Ohio State game, I thought. Because after the Rutgers game, heard Sydney Parrish say something to the degree of she didn't chase an offensive rebound because she knew Yarden Garzon was going to make a shot. I think they've kind of gone from, you know, good, hardworking team to a little attitude and kind of a little swagger on the team. I think that's kind of something to look at heading into deeper play as we head toward the postseason. But first, we were talking about Minnesota. Oh, actually, I want to interrupt you really quickly. (laughs) Because of that, talking about that, I want to give you a Will Foley stats update for this Indiana Hoosiers team. So, it's to Terry Moore, and it's a defensive team, right? Wrong. <laughs> Very wrong. Uh, Hoosiers right now averaging 82 points per game on pace to absolutely smoke their uh, team record. Team record is 74.9 points per game, 26-17. They are about to blow it out of the water. Field goal percentage is 47%. The Hoosiers right now shooting 50.6% from the field. Going to smoke that. Assists, this is a team, team-oriented team uh, basketball team, and right now they're on pace to kind of smoke their assist record if they make a sweet 16 run at least. And then you look at individually 
Mackenzie Holmes, second in the nation in field goal percentage. Yarden goes on second in three-point percentage. And the Hoosiers are just on fire. There's your, there's your stat Will. update from Will Foley. One of the most potent offenses in the country, your Indiana Hoosiers. So going, going back into some Minnesota preview, Sarah Scalia, former Golden Gopher. Want to go into that a little bit? Yeah, so uh, Scalia, obviously a transfer to IU this season. Played her last three. She's from the Twin Cities area. Played her first three seasons of college ball for the Golden Gophers. Uh, ranks, I mean, in just three seasons, she ended up on, like, the top ten lists for many Minnesota career records. I mean, she really lit it up there and was their best player for a few seasons and very ball-dominant there, which uh, Terry Morin and her have both talked about, kind of that transition this season to a much different role. She's she's off the ball um, most of the time. She's much more a three-point threat, not exclusively, but much more three-point uh, focused, I'd say, than um, – Whereas Minnesota, she was just whatever they needed her to do. That's what uh, she did for them. Um, And obviously, as uh, we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, has had a bit of an up-and-down season so far. Uh, Obviously put up the 19 points just a couple weeks ago. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how those emotions kind of factor into the game. Um, She'll obviously get playing time. She'll obviously get the shots. But, you know, kind of... How will she perform? Will she have another breakout game? Or, you know, going back to uh, what had been her home stadium, will it kind of cause her to falter a little bit? That'll be really interesting to watch for me. And then um, outside of that, kind of on the Minnesota side, uh, they're pretty – they're not a great team, obviously, 9-12 overall, but uh, their scoring – the scoring they do have, it does come pretty balanced. All five starters are averaging between 9.5 and 15 points. Uh, and the leading scorer of those is uh, freshman Mara Braun, and she is one of only four players this season, one of the others being Yarden Garrison, to earn multiple uh, Big Ten Freshman of the Week honors this season. So that will uh, it'll be interesting to see how IU kind of tries to slow her down. I don't think IU will struggle too much with it, but uh, that will definitely have to be a focus. And then kind of on the other end of the floor, uh, Mackenzie Holmes, obviously we've talked about it. She's been unstoppable lately. Um, Alana Michaud will likely draw the matchup uh, and be Minnesota's player who guards her. Um, She's kind of their starting post. She has struggled this season uh, with foul trouble. Uh, For example, in the Iowa game, um, when she was matched up against Monica Sinano, one of the other best posts in the conference, uh, Michaud only – she picked up three first-half fouls in five minutes. Uh, which obviously she wasn't able to be on the floor. That meant a bench player was matched up against Monica Sinano, and Monica Sinano, Sinano naturally cruised. Uh, Barbecue uh, chicken, some would yeah, say. pretty much. Um, just real quick, I mentioned Monica Sinano. Monica Sinano's sister is on this Minnesota team. She doesn't start, but she does come off the bench. So uh, for those of you uh, Big Ten fans, be sure to watch out for her. Shout out Monica Sinano's sister. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a couple thoughts. Um, oh, where I was going with this. Oh, well, Minnesota, like you said, balanced team, a similar team like that, who you can also look at at the bottom of the Big Ten standings, is Wisconsin. And we saw what 
Indiana did that. Wisconsin team, the final score is 93 to 56. I, to be completely honest with you, think that unless you are an uber talented team, I think you're going to need to have a stud who can go out there and just get buckets whenever she wants down the court if you're going to try to beat this Indiana team, especially if you're one of those teams at the bottom of the standings. But uh, yeah, not the best matchup for Minnesota. Um, about Sarah, Sarah Scalia, it's kind of like playing those games on Instagram or wherever where you see like two silhouettes of a player and it's would you take player A where you're kind of you're the star of a team and you average like 25 points a game but your team sucks and you don't make the playoffs or you could be player V where you're just a mere role player but uh, your team's awesome so I asked the question you guys would you be Sarah Scalia in Minnesota or Sarah Scalia in Indiana I'm, I would say Indiana I think I can comfortably say Indiana just because I'm a ring chaser at heart, I think. <laughs> so I would pass up stardom for being a contributor on a championship caliber team. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, I mean, you mentioned the, you know, a team uh, going against Indiana. Probably, if they're not real talented, they need one of those superstar players who has the potential to take over. Last season, Minnesota had that. It was Sarah Scalia. This season, Minnesota doesn't have that because Sarah Scalia is on IU. So, yeah, I... I uh, I agree with you guys there, and uh, yeah, it, it'll be it'll be an interesting game, but I think we all know how it's going to end. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota, owners of Penn State, swept the season series. Uh, they haven't really put up any big-time fights other than Wisconsin, Rutgers. Every other ranked team they've played has been more than double digits. Uh, they are also noted owners of the Chicago State Panthers, Absolutely wiped them out of the water. Chicago State, three wins this season. Uh, this is the premier Chicago <laughs> State women's basketball podcast now. It is. A uh, couple tough wins for Minnesota in the non-conference. You know, big win over Lehigh. Uh, Presbyterian. <laughs> white Presbyterian of the water. Tough loss in Fargo to North Dakota State, though. Uh, so, so not a great Minnesota team. Not a great Minnesota team. And then after that, on Sunday is the game at Purdue, rivalry game. According to Purdue Women's Basketball Twitter homepage, only 1,500 tickets left, so looks like they're trying to sell that place out in Mackey. Yeah, and a little bit about Purdue. Week between their last game and the IU game on Sunday, so big rest for the Boilermakers. That last game being the Ohio State, the, them beating Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. But a huge upset there, so kind of now we're thinking – was Ohio State as good as we thought going into that game, or is Purdue better than we think? You know, a lot to think about there. So three straight wins for Purdue, Minnesota, Illinois, and then, of course, Ohio State, like we just said. In the rivalry, historically, Indiana has um, 11 of the last 12 against Purdue, and they do have three players averaging over 11 a game, and I like the note here that we have on the page. Just an aggressively mid Big Ten team. Aggressively mid are your P Purdue Boilermakers. I think that's about as good as you can sum it up. Could you know? Could be an interesting game. Could be a blowout. Time will tell. Road conference game and a rivalry. Yeah, I mean, um, this is it's a good Purdue team. There's no question. This is there are some bottom feeders in the Big Ten, and Purdue's not one of them. Um, but still, this is not. 
I mean, when you're talking about the the cream of the Big Ten crop, it's 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 IU, it's Iowa, it's Ohio State, it's Michigan, it's Maryland. It's not Purdue. They're not quite in that uh, sort of top echelon. They're they're in that sort of middle tier, um, like like you mentioned. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to to see how that how that goes. Um, Purdue does have the potential to light it up from deep. They hit seven first quarter threes in that upset win over Ohio State. That was a big part of their win. Um, and they've shown the potential. They've hit uh, double-digit three-pointers in four games, I think, this season. So they definitely have the potential there, but um, they just don't have the and, – and, I mean, like we mentioned, they've got three straight wins, two straight over ranked teams, but – they just don't quite have the firepower to match up with uh, an Indiana. Yeah, Purdue. Apparently, your Grinnell College of the Big Ten. <laughs> Do you know about the Grinnell system? I want to know. Grinnell, okay, Grinnell's a team. Uh, I believe his Wait. name is Jack Taylor, 138 points yes. okay. about 12 years ago. <laughs> Here's the Grinnell system. I will read it to you. Here, There are six main tenets of the system. Number one, the first possible shot is the best possible shot where three-point field goal attempts are preferred over shorter shots. Number two, shoot as many three-pointers as possible. Number three, in terms of defense, giving up an uncontested layup is better than a shot clock violation. you got to get that ball back. Number four, always double-team the person with the ball. Number five, every player but the shooter goes for the offensive rebound. Number six, offensive rebound should be sent back for another three-point attempt, not a shorter putback for two points. So, Purdue, launching threes. Could they beat Indiana if they shoot about 100 threes? Probably, but not quite to Grinnell's Grinnell's volume. But, yeah, they can light it up from outside. Um, As Matt and I were talking about earlier, the Barn Burner Trophy. I appreciate you saying Matt and I when the other two people on the podcast are Matt. Matt Matt Seabree and I are talking about the Barn Burner Trophy. Is that correct? IU and Purdue women's basketball. Not... This game, it will be the game in Bloomington, but just reminded me, uh, thinking about some some college college athletics rivalry trophies, and it's up there on re- weird random trophies, so I looked up a list. College football is the predominant one. Number one, Concordia Moorhead versus St. Olaf. They have a troll. They fight. I will visually say, look it up if you want to. There's As always, a- podcasting is... A visual medium. There is a troll trophy between these two college football teams. Uh, it is probably the ugliest specimen you've ever looked at. Uh, the troll is made out of moss and pine cones from a mountain in Norwegia. Norwegia? Norwegia. That's what the article says. All righty. Again, this is your premier uh, Chicago State <laughs> women's basketball and Grinnell College uh, football. Concordia. Concordia Moorhead and St. Olaf. Yeah. There you go. Of course, the old oak and bucket, number four on this list. Just ahead of the civil war between Oregon and State who fight for a platypus trophy. There you go. So, um, so yes. Uh, there's your trophy updates from me. I, I hope we have another trophy update when they actually play the game for the barn burner <laughs> trophy. Uh, this one, as you mentioned. Yeah, they're not contesting the trophy for this one, but good to, good to keep it on the radar. Of course. Um, and then, just in general, uh, IU tied for tied to top the Big Ten now with Iowa. Um, 
So, well, Informa- misinformation. Indiana number one in the Big Ten, ten and one. Yes. Iowa Hawkeyes nine and one. They have the same amount of losses, and they both obviously still have to play each other twice. Um, but yes, IU does control their own destiny for winning the Big Ten regular season, which is something that they have. Uh, both Terry Moore and the players have repeatedly mentioned that as one of their big goals this season. Grace Berger talked about it uh, yesterday after the game, um, and uh, as they're they've kind of had as their mantra, I guess, this whole season is taking it one game at a time. So uh, there were a lot of questions after the game, kind of yesterday about some more big picture stuff, you know, what's this team think it can do down the line? And I think uh, you would both agree that the general response from everyone we talked to was, we're just going to take it one game at a time. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves. Um, And they all said they were (coughs) focused on the uh, game against Minnesota next, um, rather than the many ranked, highly ranked opponents they still have to play this season. Anything from that? Um, yeah, so I guess while we were on the topic of Iowa, talking about not looking ahead, I am going to look ahead. <laughs> uh, February 9th will be the first matchup between the Hoosiers and the Hawkeyes in Bloomington, Thursday, 6.30 p.m. I know you have a lot of thoughts on Iowa, Matt, other Matt. Um, Monica Sinano and Caitlin Clark, one of the premier duos in women's hoops, and Caitlin Clark, we hear a lot about, gets gets a lot of the media coverage. Maybe maybe not deserved, Matt Sieber? This is – Caitlin Clark is a good player. I want to get that out of the way right now. She's a very good player. She is very good at basketball, without a doubt. However, we've seen this season and last season, obviously Iowa returning the same five starters from last season's uh, Big Ten champion squad. Caitlin Clark can light it up, obviously. She can get double, or pardon me, she can get triple doubles. She can have 40-point games. But the thing that has been a bigger indicator of Iowa's success in every game is how Monica Sinano performs. If they get Monica Sinano the ball, and many times that's Caitlin Clark passing Monica Sinano the ball down low, but when they get her the ball and allow her to work inside, that forces the defenses to collapse in on Sonano, which opens up more space for all of Iowa's other players, including Caitlin Clark. So yes, while Caitlin Clark is going to get all the accolades and all the awards and most likely will end up being the Big Ten Player of the Year this season over uh, probably Mackenzie Holmes, who will finish second, um, whether or not that should be the case. Um, yeah, I think Sonano is more important to to the actual uh, success of Iowa, and uh, but Monica Sonano hasn't had to face a post player like Mackenzie Holmes yet this season. So I think that will be the matchup to watch when those two teams face each other, not Grace Berger versus Caitlin Clark. Obviously, that'll be a huge matchup as well. But uh, yeah, it's Monica Sonano is good. That's that's my takeaway. <laughs> Matt Seabree, I asked you the question. Bigger fraud, Caitlin Clark <laughs> or Zach Eady? Well, wow. Caitlin Clark is good at basketball. She's not just seven foot four. Um, this is I'm I'm burying the hot takes deep into this podcast. Uh, yeah, Caitlin Clark is 100 uh, percent, in my opinion, the more talented ball player than 
Zach Eady, but both will probably still be Big Ten Player of the Year in their respective uh, respective conferences. So, yeah. Uh, fun fact for you. I did not have enough time to look all this up, and there are a lot of conferences in Division One basketball, but <laughs> Indiana basketball, one of very few programs with both men and women's teams with five games or more win streaks. Hoosier men on a five-game win streak right now. Hoosier ladies, eight. Uh, Liberty Flames are one of your few basketball teams who have also joined Indiana in that feat. Uh, yeah, but look at going back. Uh, this is, by the way, your updated podcast podcast for Chicago State Athletics, <laughs> Liberty Flames Athletics, St. Olaf, and m- something Moorhead. Yep, yep. Uh, looking at the Big Ten standings, again, Indiana played at Maryland just once, and for the only time this season, and it was an Indiana win. That will be a huge uh, determining factor. Maryland stands alone in third place right now. Uh, Indiana return game against Ohio State comes later this month. Uh, but, yeah, I think if you win the home games that you need to, it's a good chance you're going to win that Big Ten. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a rough stretch. You have after Purdue, Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan, Purdue, and then concluding the season in Iowa City against the Hawkeyes. But, again, you know, we've seen them beat those teams already except Iowa. So, you know, will if they handle business at home, maybe sneak out of Iowa City the last game. They, I think they should be fine in terms of postseason play. Yeah. So uh, before we wrap things up, a couple questions. I give you Mackenzie Holmes versus the field between uh, points combined in the next two games. So this is Mackenzie Holmes points total. Versus any other player, Indiana, Minnesota, or Purdue, combined total points in the next two games. Who has the most points? In the next, in the next, how many games? Two. In the next two games. It's, yep. Mackenzie Holmes. Matt Sieber. Yeah, uh, Mackenzie M- Holmes. I mean, she's 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 on an absolute tear. The stat. Uh, I don't know if you've mentioned the Maya Moore stat yet. Oh. Mackenzie Holmes, three consecutive games against top 25 opponents with 25 or more points. She, of course, accomplished that against Ohio State, Michigan, and Illinois, all back-to-back-to-back. She is the first collegiate basketball player in the last 20 seasons, men's or women's, since Maya Moore to accomplish that feat. Those two are the only two who have done that in the past 20 seasons. So Mackenzie Holmes, elite company. Yeah, uh, it's it's not just – I mean, I think a lot of times when you talk about high-volume scores, they kind of fill up that those stats against lesser opponents, particularly in college when you have so many games at the beginning of the season against, uh, you know, your Moorhead States. Um, sorry to Moorhead State. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, when Mackenzie Holmes is doing this against all ranked teams and highly ranked teams and great defensive teams, I mean – it's it's hard to see anyone seriously slowing her down this season. Uh, it seems like no matter what happens in the game, she's going to get hers. Uh, and I don't really know how you stop her from doing that. No one's done it this season. <laughs> yeah, and based off that stat and how she's playing, Kenzie Holmes could be on a similar trajectory of college legend, great WNBA career, 
and helping reform the American justice system, which is what Maya Moore has done as she retired from <laughs> basketball. Yes. Shout out to Maya Moore, by the way. Uh, all-time great uh, human and basketball player. Legend. Maya Moore is a legend. Uh, combined record for Indiana the next two games, I ask you. Next two games, I will give Indiana a 2-0 and record because I significantly underestimated them when I wrote initially about the stretch of facing uh, Maryland, Michigan, and Ohio State. I did not expect them to win all three of those games, and they proved me wrong. So I will not do that again, and I will give them 2-0 and against Purdue and Iowa. Yeah. Um, yeah, Minnesota is not – I don't think Minnesota has the talent to uh, – yeah, I got what you're going for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think Minnesota has the talent to match up with IU. I think IU cruises into the barn and handles that one pretty swiftly. Purdue, I mean, look, it's a road game. It's a conference game. It's a late January, or it's a, that'll even be February at that point, conference game. And it's a rivalry game. I mean, we saw last year this game in West Lafayette went to overtime, even though – Probably on paper it shouldn't have. I think we could see a similar result, uh, you know, on on Sunday, where IU really has to go down to the wire to pull out a win. But I do think IU will pull out the win. I do. I I, I agree with uh, Matt. I agree with the other Matt. Uh, they go two and zero this week. Matt Seabree, who picked Maryland over Indiana the last time we talked. Yes, that'd uh, be me. That'd be me. That's him. Indiana <laughs> did not lose that game. I will also predict two zero. I now ask, average margin of victory in the next two games. In the next two games, average margin of victory, I will say somewhere between 12 to 17 points. A little closer than, not, not blowouts, I'll say that. Yeah, um, I, I guess I kind of already showed my hand here. I think it will be a blowout against Minnesota, um, but I also think it'll be a really close game against Purdue. So as an average, I'll pick, I don't know, 12 points. Because um, I could see the Purdue game being decided by a single possession. My predictions, Indiana at Minnesota, 35-plus point blowout. <laughs> That's a, okay. Purdue, right. I'll, keep it to, right. I'll keep it to six. Anything else we want to touch on or – I really feel like we haven't talked about the emer- like the reemergence of Grace Berger enough. I, I just kind of want to reiterate that a little bit. Um, obviously, y- you're the one who wrote the article. Uh, IDSnews.com. IDSnews.com. Um, backslash sports. Uh, <laughs> about, about Grace Berger's uh, kind of dominating day, um, particularly in that last game. But just in general, since she's returned, uh, she's – She's not – I think it's fair to say she hasn't been totally back to Graceburger levels um, since returning from her injury, but it's just all – outside of just the box score, all of her intangibles that she brings to the game, um, just the way defenses have to differently defend against IU because they're always worried about Graceburger, just the way she runs the offense, I, I, I think – Having her back, I mean, it pushes IU from a top 10 team into the country 
all the way to, I mean, this is a genuine bona fide potential Final Four team that we're looking at here, uh, particularly with Berger back and healthy. So, yeah, that's that's my final takeaway. Yeah, Indiana women's basketball undefeated with Grace Berger on the floor. Uh, Grace Berger, Sunday, here's – you can find this in uh, a story <laughs> titled Berger reestablished the start of Indiana women's basketball. Fends off upset minor Rutgers. Grace Berger, first player in Indiana basketball history, men's or women's. 1,600-plus points, 600-plus rebounds, 500-plus assists. Hoosier legend, Grace Berger. Historic career. And you were talking about how scary she makes the offense. With her hitting threes like that, I think that brings a different element that I also touched on in my column for IDSnews.com. But, yeah, I think fluidity was something that I thought was kind of lacking when she first came back from the injury, just both on offense and defense. And now I think we saw on Sunday against Rutgers, really smooth handle. Her jumper was kind of a little off in the last few weeks, and it was really on on Sunday. Grace Berger, back. Grace Berger, stone-cold mid-range killer. And if you want to remember next year, apparently now, January 29th, National Grace Berger Day, according to Terry Morin. (laughs) Yes, yes. We'll close with that. We'll talk to you next week ahead of Iowa. This is the Payoff Podcast. Signing out.